Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 down to 34. Um, this is a passage that is right in the middle of one of Jesus' most famous addresses, and that is the Sermon on the Mount, right? Um, so the Sermon on the Mount was one of the first addresses that Jesus gave to the masses. Um, I would say it's one of the most important um, addresses that he gave, and it's right at the beginning of his ministry. So Jesus had been, uh, he'd been baptized at this point, obviously. He had been teaching in synagogues. He'd been gathering disciples. He'd been healing um, sick people and casting out demons. This is actually what it says about Jesus in Matthew 4, verses 24 through 25. It says, Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So uh, he's gaining quite a following. Beginning of chapter 5, so the Sermon on the Mount goes from chapter 5 all the way through chapter 7. Beginning of chapter 5, it says that a great multitude had gathered to him, and he sat down and opened up his mouth, and he taught them. And he starts by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the merciful. He gives the Beatitudes, right? Then he goes on and he talks about um, what true fulfillment of the law is supposed to look like, right? Um, what is true righteousness in God's eyes? And we see in that uh, it's more than just an outward thing that we do. True righteousness has to do with the heart. That's where true righteousness comes from, Jesus says. Um, then he goes on and he talks about how should we pray? What does that look like? How do we deal with, with our money? Um, he says at the um, verse uh, 24 of chapter 6, he says that no one can serve two masters. Uh, you can't serve God and you can't serve money. The, these two things can't be your master. So Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, shows how a person who is in a right relationship with God, it shows how they should be conducting their lives. So a person who's in a right relationship with the Lord, how should they be walking? And so he obviously covers a lot of issues. And the issue that he's going to be discussing in our passage today is that of worry. So he says, starting in verse 25, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? It's important to remember that the, the passage right behind this, Jesus was talking about money, right? So I read that verse, you can't serve God um, and money. And it's as if uh, Jesus seamlessly moves into this next section. He says, therefore, with this in mind, don't worry about your life. As you think about how you're going to be provided for, as you think about food and clothing and these basic necessities, Jesus says, do not worry. Do not worry. And this is the first of three times, actually, that Jesus says this in this passage. He says, do not worry. Well, what is, what is worry? What does it mean to be worried? Well, the verse could also be translated as um, anxious. Do not be anxious, right? Um, Worry is those distracting cares and concerns that, that bog us down and uh, put a weight upon our shoulders. It's those things in our life that we think about that just causes us to be filled with a sense of dread, right? Um, worry, it's those things that keep you up at night, um, that bog your mind down, that takes away any, 
any source of peace that you have, right? That's what it is to worry. It, it puts that weight on our minds. It puts that weight on our shoulders. And Jesus says here, do not worry. Do not worry. So what are those things that would cause us to worry? Uh, what are those things in our life that, that maybe takes away um, our peace? Well, it could be all sorts of things, right? Uh, as we think about the future, we might be filled with a sense of dread, like, oh no, what is this week going to hold? Or what is this year going to hold? Um, as we think about our health, um, maybe we become anxious and worried about our health. Or maybe we become worried about how, how in the world am I going to pay the bills this month? How am I going to be provided for, right? We worry about what people think about us. We worry about what-if scenarios. How many of you guys have laid awake at night thinking about, oh man, what if that happens? What if that takes place, right? I think that we all have. <laughs> you know, I think that we've all been kept awake at night thinking about what could be, not what actually is, but what could be. And Jesus says here, verse 25, Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life. It doesn't get much clearer than that, does it? It says, don't worry. Don't, don't worry about your life. This is kind of like a broad sweeping statement. Don't worry about those things that come into your life. Don't, don't worry about um, those basic necessities that, that you shouldn't allow anything into your life that would take away your peace, plain and simple. And listen, this isn't just a suggestion. Um, this is a command. Uh, in the Greek, this is, this is an imperative, meaning uh, Jesus is not, it's not just like a good idea from Jesus. No, this is a command. Do not worry, he says. And this is a, an issue that's brought up a lot in Scripture. You read both Old and New Testament. The Lord says over and over, fear not. Be at rest. Be at peace. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. And so, again, verse 25, he says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. And specifically, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? In essence, he's saying these basic necessities of life those things that we all need, right? It's important to eat food. Yeah? Can I get an amen? <laughs> right? It's important to eat food. It's important to drink. It's important that, that we're clothed, right? Um, these are, are just the basic necessities of life. And Jesus says, these shouldn't be a concern to you. Don't, don't worry about how these things will be provided for you. And why? Why shouldn't we worry? Well, in verses 26 through 30, he gives us two examples of why we shouldn't worry. Check them out. Verse 26, he says, So look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap. They don't gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? He says, don't worry. Look outside. Look at those birds flying around. They're not worried about how their next meal is going to come, right? Uh, they don't sow seeds. They don't reap a harvest. They don't, they don't gather into barns. I'm not a bird watcher, but I've never seen a bird, you know, sowing seeds, right? Um, so they don't, they don't do these things. They just wake up, they go get their food. And Jesus says, this is God's provision for them. And if this is just a silly bird of how much more value to the Lord are you than a bird? How much more valuable to the Lord are you than, than one of these things that the Lord just provides for them, right? Um, how do we know that we're more valuable? Well, 
First of all, you're made in the image of God, the Bible tells us. Secondly, if you're in Christ, the Bible says that he has made you a new creation, that you are his child now, and that you are a co-heir with Christ. Jesus went to the farthest lengths to make sure that you could be saved. He went to the cross. He took your sin. Uh, He saved you from that. He's given you an eternal hope of how much more value to the Lord are you than a bird. Jesus bought and paid for your salvation with his very blood. It's a verse in Romans, Romans 8.32. It says that God didn't spare his own son for you, and how shall he not much more freely give to him all things, to us all things? He gives us all things. His hand toward us is not stingy. He's a good provider. He's a good father. And as a good father, he provides for his kids. You know, no good parent who has the resources is just going to let their kids starve, right? It's like, oh, sorry, sweetie. I know we've got a stocked refrigerator and a full pantry, and we've got all the food that we could ever want, but I guess you're just going to have to starve today. No, no good parent's going to do that, right? In the same way, our God has infinite resources. He has infinite resources. Um, And if he's going to provide for the birds, then you can trust and you can know that he's going to provide for you. You're his child. Verse 27, again, he says, And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? A clearer translation of that verse says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? What's he saying? You're you're not doing yourself any favors by worrying. You're not going to make yourself uh, live any longer by being anxious over these things. Jesus is saying here that that worrying, it doesn't actually accomplish what we hope it's going to accomplish in our lives, right? Sometimes we wear worry uh, like it's a badge of honor. Well, if I don't worry about this, then who's going to worry about it? Maybe the Lord right? Maybe the Lord's going to be concerned about those things. Well, if I'm not worried about this, maybe it shows that I don't actually care. Yeah, is that really true though? Is that really true? Jesus says here, when you're anxious and when you're worried, it's not actually doing anything. It's not not making you any taller, not adding any time to your life. And then he says, look at the birds. Look at the birds. The Lord provides for them. You can trust that he's going to provide for you too. In verses 28 to 30, Jesus gives another example of why we shouldn't worry. So he says, look out at the birds, this very simple thing. Then he says, so why do you worry about clothing? Verse 28, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So Jesus says, why are you worrying about another basic necessity, right? Like this this clothing. Um, Why are you worrying about this? Consider the lilies of the field, he says. And that word consider, it means look carefully or look intently um, at these flowers. They don't put any effort forth to make themselves beautiful, do they? He says they don't toil. uh, They don't spin the needle, right, to, to make themselves beautiful. No, this is how the Lord has made them. And he says even Solomon is not arrayed like one of them in all of his glory. And it's just a flower. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. And so how much more important to the Lord are you than a flower? And notice that last phrase that he says there at the 
verse 30. He says, Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, it's just today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? O you of little faith. Isn't that an interesting statement? It comes down to a matter of faith. Do you trust the Lord with your life. Listen, we, we know faith. We talk about faith all the time. Uh, faith is how a person is saved in the first place, right? You read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, that we're saved by grace through faith. So it's, faith is kind of that, that vehicle that brings us to the Lord, that allows us to uh, take hold of salvation for our lives. I don't think that's the type of faith that Jesus is talking about here. I think that what he's saying is, do you trust the Lord? So yeah, we trust him for salvation, but do you trust the Lord with your life? Do you trust the Lord with that hard situation that you find yourself in? Because when we allow ourselves to be bogged down by worries and cares and concerns and all of these different things, I believe that it shows a lack of faith on our part. When we're given over to worry and anxiety and fear, and so listen, it all goes back to trusting Him goes back to trusting the Lord, trusting that he's in control, trusting that he's good, trusting that his intentions toward us are kindness, trusting that he's my provider, trusting that he is a good father and that he has made me his child. You know, I remember being a kid and looking to my parents, right? And I don't know if you guys remember this, but I had good parents, right? And um, I would look to my parents and be like, oh man, They've got everything handled. (laughs) You know, they've got everything under control. I don't have to worry about anything. They're giving me my food. They're giving me my clothing. They're they're taking me to school. They're doing all these things. Mom and dad have it all under control, right? Now, I mean, being an adult now, like I realize that probably wasn't true, right? They were probably just figuring things out along the way, just like I'm figuring things out along the way. But I had a childlike faith in them. I trusted them. I trusted that they were going to be able to take care of me. And in the same way, we ought to have this childlike trust, faith, and dependence upon the Lord. Because the thing is, is that we serve a God who actually has everything under control, We serve a God who actually has everything figured out already. It's not like he's just figuring things out along the way as he goes. Maybe we'll see how it happens. No, he knows the beginning from the end, and he is trustworthy. There's nobody higher. There's nobody greater. There's no one stronger. There's nobody with more authority. There's nobody who's more trustworthy than he is. And this is why Jesus can say a statement like, so don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. Why? Because you know who your God is. You know who he is. You know that he's faithful. You know that he's good. You know that he's all-powerful. You know that he is over all creation. Look at who he is and trust him. Don't only trust him for salvation. That's so important, right? But you need to trust him with your life. You need to trust him with your future. You need to trust that he cares for you and he is going to, to provide for you. And listen, I, <clears throat> I want to be careful here. I, I know that this doesn't mean that we're not going to face hard times because the Bible never promises that, right? Um, I'm, I'm not here preaching a gospel that says, as soon as you come to Jesus, everything's going to be just fine. It's all going to be hunky-dory. No, we live in a fallen world. Um, we're going to face trials and hardships and difficulties. Um, 
But I believe that we need to trust the Lord through the trials and through the difficult circumstances. Um, In my experience, uh, not every time does the Lord just lift me out of a hardship, but He walks me through the hardship to the other side and along the way giving me peace and rest and um, uh, uh, the ability to to have faith over fear, right? Um, And so, I believe that we need to trust the Lord. Trust the Lord, even when hard and difficult circumstances arise. Because here's the thing, it's, it's in those times of um, difficulties and trials that the Lord grows our faith. The Lord teaches us how to walk with Him. And I think that the Lord is way more concerned about your faith than He is about your comfort, I think that he's way more concerned about growing you and stretching you in the knowledge of him than he is about you living a comfortable life. And so there's going to be situations that come into your life that ordinarily should cause you to fear and be anxious and be worried, but we are admonished and commanded by the Lord over and over to look beyond those difficulties, look beyond the hardship, look beyond the trials, look beyond the impossible situations, and give yourself over completely to your faithful Creator, trusting Him, trusting that He's going to see you through. Maybe He won't remove you from the trial. Maybe he won't remove you from the difficult circumstances, but he's going to walk you through it. His presence will go before you. We're called to trust the Lord through these things. And you know, let's get real here. What if that thing that keeps you up at night, that what if situation or that thing that you're afraid of that you don't ever want to happen to you, what if it happens? You might be like, Daniel, that's really mean. (laughs) You know, why would you say that? Like, I don't ever want it to happen. Well, what if it does? We live in a fallen world. Could it happen? Of course it could happen, right? Uh, What if those things that bog your mind down and take away your peace, what if it comes to pass? Let me ask you this question. Does that change anything about the Lord? Does it change his character? Does it change his goodness? Does it change his faithfulness? Does it make the Lord any less sovereign? Does it mean that he's in any less control? Does it mean that he doesn't have a plan for your life anymore? Obviously, the answer to all of those questions is no. No, he's still the same God yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't matter what type of situation I face or what horrible circumstance um, comes into my life. And so if it comes to pass which we're going to face hardship, we're still called to trust the Lord through it. Called to trust Him through it. He's our faithful Father. You know, Megan and I, in our marriage, we've walked through anxiety together and walked through some anxious things, and um, we've been able to encourage each other. And there have been many times when I've asked Megan, like, honey, what, what is the worst that's going to happen? She's like, well, I could die. <laughs> you know, like, okay, yeah, like that's the worst that could possibly happen, right? We could die. But is that really such a bad thing? No. Why? Well, we have an eternal hope. We have the hope that when we die, we're going to go and be with Jesus forever in paradise, ruling and reigning with Him. The Bible says that we are co heirs with Christ. 
We're co-heirs with him. We're going to be with him forever. And so if the worst possible thing that could happen to you is you're going to die, guess what? That's not so bad after all because you're going to be with Jesus forever. That's something to rejoice about. That's something that should cause us to be excited that we are going to be with him uh, forever. And so you follow these fears and these anxieties. You, you follow it all the way down and you say, okay, what if? What if it happens? The worst thing, I'm going to be with Jesus. That's not so bad, is it? That's not bad at all. Jesus says, so look at the birds. You're worried about how you're going to be provided for? Look outside. Look at those flowers. God cares about the flowers. And if he cares about that bird, he cares about that flower, how much more is he going to care about you, the one whom he has bought and paid for with his precious blood? That's amazing. We don't have anything to fear. We don't have anything to worry about. Why? Because you have a faithful creator, a faithful father who loves you. And so trust him. Trust him. Trust that he's going to care for you and provide for you. And in verses 31 through 34, we'll move on here. Jesus shares with us, so then what should the appropriate priority of our life, what should it be? right? So if I'm not to be concerned about these basic necessities, if, if my attention shouldn't be placed on those things, where should it be placed? Verse 31, he says, therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Again, did you notice there's that command again two more times? Verses 31 and 34, he says, do not worry. When you see repeated phrases over and over in the Bible, you should mark it, and you should write it down because the Lord is making a point. The Lord wants us to, to get this ingrained into our thought that we should not be those who are defined by worry and fear and anxiety. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your provision. Don't worry about your future. Don't worry about that what-if scenario, right? Don't worry about it because you know who your God is. He says, these are the things that the Gentiles seek after. What's that? Those who don't know the Lord. Those who don't know God, these are the things that, that they're all about. They're marked by um, wanting to gather as much stuff and things to them as possible and wanting to live a comfortable life. They're marked by, by worry as they should be because they don't have a faithful father like we have. But for those of us who know the Lord, we should not be marked by worry. We should be marked by faith. The believer should be marked by peace and rest instead of anxiety. Now, I want to be careful how I, how I say this, because does that mean then that any time we experience an anxious thought, or any time um, we begin to worry about something, or, or there's something that makes us afraid, does that mean that we're automatically in sin? I don't think so. I, I don't think that that's the case. These things are going to happen, right? These things are going to take place in our life. We'll get scared, We'll become anxious, um, we'll become worried, right? And for whatever reason, um, 
Some of us deal with this to larger degrees than others of us, right? And, um, but I think that it's something that we're all going to face to one degree or, no, or another. Does that mean that when that anxious feeling comes in that you're automatically in sin? I don't think so. But here's the question. What are you doing with it when it does come? What are you doing with it? Um, are you just giving yourself over to it and embracing it and walking in it? Okay, well, that's not good. Or are you fighting? Are you striving? Are you seeking the Lord? Are you um, placing all of your attention back upon Him? Do you fight against it? You know, I mentioned that Megan and I, we've walked through um, anxiety together, and I remember there was one time when I don't even know what was happening, but there was just some, some anxiousness taking place, and we came and we received prayer. It was just something that was was actually nagging upon Megan's mind and just couldn't let it go. And um, we went and received prayer. Actually, we were talking to Troy and Rebecca. And I remember Megan said something like, I just feel like I'm failing. Just feel like I'm failing. And we were seeking the Lord. We were praying. Um, She was not just giving herself over to it. And yet, there wasn't peace, right? There was still the, the anxiety that was there, and I remember Troy just looked at Megan and said, you're not failing. You're fighting a battle. You're fighting a battle. At the end of the day, it's going to look like maybe you've been beat up a little bit. Your, your shield of faith might be dinged up a little bit because you've been fighting a battle. Don't feel like you're failing if you're in this fight and you're giving yourself over to the Lord and you're focusing on the truth, and yet sometimes... That peace doesn't come right away, and we need to walk through it anyway. Don't feel like you're failing. You're in a fight. You're in a battle. And you can still put your mind upon the truth of God's word and trust that above what you're feeling. Trust that above what you're feeling. You know, I had the opportunity in between services to talk to a brother um, who was just sharing with me. This has been a lifelong struggle for him. And um, he just said, you know, there are times when I've, I've needed to learn to walk with a limp. Fully knowing that the inerrancy of Scripture, fully knowing um, and, and, and trusting God, and yet there's, there's something in my brain that's not letting me walk in peace, and yet I'm still walking. That's not a failure. That's not a failure. That's walking... <laughs> as the Lord would have us walk, putting our faith and trust in Him, even despite what we sometimes are thinking and feeling. And so, when anxiety comes in, what do you do with it? What do you do? Do you just give yourself over to it and live in it? Well, if that's the case, that should change today. But if you're fighting it, if you're um, putting your mind elsewhere and you're seeking the Lord, um, This is what we need to be doing. This is how we need to be walking. And Jesus gives us the answer we need in order to be able to fight against worry like this, right? Um, Look again at verse 33. He says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And so rather than putting our energy and attention um, and effort and worries into the concerns of this life, he says, no, 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 your focus needs to be elsewhere. The appropriate priority of your life should be heaven-focused. It should be the kingdom of God, right? He says, seek 
first the kingdom. What's that? That before anything else, your main concern is the Lord. That, that before anything else, first and foremost, your main concern is the Lord's kingship over your life and over creation. To seek first means that, that this has the prominent place in your life. It's the most important thing about you. That's what it means to seek first the kingdom of God, that it would be your main concern, that it'd be the most important thing, that it would be that which fills your thoughts and, and it dictates your actions, right? Uh, that you would seek him first with your time, that you would seek him first uh, with your money, that you would seek him first with your possessions, that you would seek him first with those things that you put your affection toward, right? That your main priority in life would be to bring praise and glory and honor to your heavenly father. That's what it means to seek him first. That's what we're called to, that we would spend more time praying, that we would spend more time in the word, that we would spend more time walking in the good works that he's called us to walk in, that we would have a concern for the lost and dying world that surrounds us, that we would be concerned about bringing the gospel to those who desperately need to hear it, serving him in everyday living with what's before us, approaching each day with the attitude of, Lord, I'm your servant. I'm here for you. I'm not here for my own things. I'm not here for my own priorities. I'm here for your priorities. I'm here for the kingdom. Seek him first. And you know, when we're worried about other things, do you realize that it hinders our ability to be able to fully seek the kingdom first? When we're concerned about the, the cares and concerns of this life, it hinders our ability to be able to fully walk in um, seeking first the kingdom of God, right? And you know, it's one of those interesting things because I, I know in some of our thoughts, and it's in the back of my mind too at times, it's like, but if I give myself over fully to seeking the kingdom, how am I going to eat food, <laughs> right? Or how, how am I going to be provided for? Um, but do you know what Jesus says? He says, if you do this, end of verse 33, and all these things shall be added to you. What's that? The Lord's going to take care of you. The Lord's going to provide for you. Listen to me carefully. You are free today to serve the Lord completely and without reserve. You're free. You're free because you don't have anything else to worry about. Jesus says your main priority, your main concern in this life would be to seek first the kingdom of God. The Lord has given you and me the opportunity to have a singular kingdom focus. Isn't that amazing? So don't worry about how you're going to eat. Don't worry about how you're going to be provided for. Um, the Lord's going to take care of you if you have this focus in your life. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that an amazing thing? What a good God that we serve. He's, he's, he's allowed us to be freed from worry, right? Um, and you have the word of Jesus right here. And let me exhort you, take the Lord up on that promise. Take him up on that promise. You serve the Lord with your whole heart and you see how he provides for you. And listen, sometimes this looks like, you know, uprooting your life and going and serving the Lord as a missionary. Maybe the Lord is calling some of you to do that. Sometimes it looks like the Lord using you to start a fresh work to bring the gospel to um, more people. I, I don't know, but we should be sensitive to his leading. But you know what? So often, you know what it looks like? So often it looks like serving the Lord with what's in front of you today. 
What's in front of you today? Well, I got to go to work. How can you seek first the kingdom of God as you go to work? Well, I've got homework to do. How can you seek first the kingdom of God as you study? Well, I've got to take care of my family. Seek God. Seek first the kingdom of God as you are taking care of your family. That's, that's what it looks like. Approaching each day with the attitude of, Lord, how can I serve you today to the fullest extent with what's already in front of me? In the sphere of influence that I already have, how can I be a light? How can I be an encouragement? How can I walk in faith? How can I be taking steps of faith? Uh, how can I share the gospel to my coworkers? How can I be a light at school? How can I be a light, maybe even sometimes in our own home? How can I best honor you today with what is set before me? And you know what I've seen so often in my life? When I'm faithful with what the Lord has given me to do today, he opens up another door of ministry to serve in greater capacities. That's what happens. Isn't that an amazing thing? Seek first the kingdom of God today. What's in front of you right now? What's in front of you right now? You serve the Lord to the greatest of your ability in that way. Colossians 3.17, Paul says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so whatever you put your hands to. You know, it's like after a, a day of work, can you just tag on the end of that day? And in Jesus' name, <laughs> right? Can, can you say, and in Je- I did this for the Lord, and I hope that that's reflected in my work. I hope that people see that. I hope that I've been a light um, for his namesake and his glory and his honor. And when we have that mindset and that attitude of, Lord, I'm seeking you first in everything and I'm allowing you to use me where I am right now, the Lord's going to provide for you. He's going he's gonna to give you what you need. This is not a call for us to all just go quit our jobs, right? Um, that's, that's not what I'm saying, but maybe for some of you it is. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and he will add all these things to you. And you know, I, I've talked a lot about worry and anxiety. I fully understand that this is a, a sensitive issue, and I don't want to approach it in a brash way. Um, and so I hope that it hasn't come across as that. I know that it's a genuine struggle um, for, for many people. And um, for whatever reason, there are some who are, are more prone um, to worry and anxiety. And, um, and I fully understand that. This is something that, that Megan and I have walked through um, in our marriage. There have been many panic attacks and sleepless nights and, and days fraught with, you know, anxious thoughts and feelings, and the, something that the Lord has really helped us walk through is, is answering the question of like, okay, so how do we walk through this? Right? Because again, so often the Lord doesn't just remove you from it, the, the trial, so often He lets you walk through it. He lets you walk through it, and we've found that the Lord provides the remedy in His Word. He provides the remedy in His Word. Um, you know, first of all, Jesus says, listen, let your main priority, your main concern be kingdom-focused. Let it be kingdom-focused, right? Um, that, that, that you would be more focused on the Lord rather than on those things that are making you anxious. And, you know, I want to share a few verses that the Lord is, has really used in, in our life to minister to us. Um, Philippians 4, 6 through 9, um, it says this, the very famous passage, it's there up on the screen, it says, be anxious for nothing. It's actually the same 
um, phrase in the Greek that, that Jesus used in Matthew 6, right? Do not worry, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Paul says, don't be anxious. Instead of anxiety, you seek the Lord. You pray. I once heard a pastor say, pray until you get the peace. Pray until you get the peace. Don't stop. It shouldn't just be like a a one-time thing. So often we approach prayer like, all right, God, high five. I'll see you later. That's not what it is. No, it's it's an agonizing. It's a seeking the Lord, praying until you get peace. And he says, and the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And then he says, and set your mind on the right things. He says, meditate on these things. Whatever's true and noble and just and pure and good, these are the things that we should put our minds on. Not not the what-ifs, right? (laughs) You know, do you know that a what-if is not reality? A what-if is not reality. And so it shouldn't be something that consumes our, our thoughts and minds. And I understand that this is something that is extremely difficult to move on from, right? But that's something that Megan and I have said to each other often in our marriage. It's like, not the truth. We need to move on. Move on from it. Set your mind on something else. Whatever's good, noble, praiseworthy. And the Lord is faithful to give peace. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. As we are seeking the Lord, as we are putting our mind on the things of God, um, it says that he will keep us in perfect peace. It's not you need to conjure up peace in your heart. No, the Lord gives peace as we set our mind upon him. Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are also called in one body and be thankful. Letting God's peace rule you. In his book, The Calvary Road, it's a great little book. It's a quick read. So good. Um, the author, Roy Hessian, he points out that um, this word for rule is actually the word that they would use for like an umpire or a referee. And so let the peace of God be the referee of your heart. Kind of an interesting thing. You're like, well, what's the, what's the point of that? Well, here's the point. If the peace of God is the referee in my heart, if the peace is taken away, it's like, hold on, there's been a foul. We need, to, we need to reset the play, right? The flag's been thrown. Um, there's been a five-yard penalty. We need to back it up a little bit and see what's taking place, right? Um, so if the peace is gone, well, let God's peace rule your heart to be the referee to, to show you, hold on, back up. There should be peace. You're God's child. He's bought and paid for that um, for you. If there's no peace, it could be a lot of different things. Maybe there's sin in your life that you need to repent of. You know, if I don't want to go through life being peaceful while there's sin in my heart, you know what I mean? Like, I hope that the peace is taken away, right? So maybe there's something that I need to repent of. Um, Maybe I haven't been honoring the Lord with my time, right? Maybe I've been more concerned about catching up on the latest TV show than I have about my devotional life. 
Maybe I've not been honoring him with my finances or my attitude. Maybe there's, there's this there's sin that I need to take care of. So if there's no peace, step back, take a look. What's going on? If, is there sin in my life? Okay, well, there's no sin. Maybe there's, it's just an issue of, of I haven't been trusting the Lord. It's not like a, a defining sin that I can pinpoint, but I've, I've not been placing my, my trust in him. Um, maybe you've analyzed yourself and there's no sin, and there's still these issues that are causing fear and anxiety and peace. You trust the Lord. You trust his word. And I believe that this is a time when the Lord wants you to keep pressing deeper into him, trusting him, knowing him, setting your mind on what is good and true and noble, and trusting his word above what you're feeling. And I understand that that's hard. I understand um, that that's difficult. And this takes practice of continually retraining your brain and putting it back on what's good and right and true. And so Jesus says, you don't need to worry about your life. You don't need to worry about how you're going to be provided for. What do you need to be concerned with as you walk through this life? The kingdom of God in his righteousness, walking in a way that's pleasing to him, walking in those good works, serving him to your fullest. You are free to serve God to the fullest extent today without worry of, how am I going to be provided for? He's going to provide for you. And so, Lord, we thank you that this is true. We thank you that, um, Lord, you are faithful and you have given us these amazing promises Lord, that um, as we seek you, as we put our, our full energy and attention into seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness that you will provide and we have nothing to be anxious over, Lord. And so I pray that we would be those that, that seek you first in all things, just as you said, Lord, that, that we would have that singular focus in this life. Why am I here? I'm here for you. I'm here for you, Jesus. What, what am I here to do? I'm here to seek first the kingdom of God and see your will be done in my life and on this earth. And so, Lord, I pray that we would walk in this manner.